Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Um, we're going to start off a new series called Don't Go to Church. How about that? Isn't that amazing? It's like uh, the first service in the Dutch service, I, I felt I was a little bit too deep. And deep is not bad, but, but it, was a little bit, it was a little bit maybe heavy. But I, I, I thought like, yeah, if Pastor Louis would be sitting here, yeah, he would like to have it more like happy, you know. So I'll try to make it a little bit more fun. But do we dance? No, I can't dance. You know that. You know that. Hey, but before I go into the message, I felt a strong inclination to speak a couple of words for specific groups of people. In this morning's service, I had a few words for specific individuals. But actually, I want to, uh, I want to bring an encouragement for all the people who are here, either IT professionals, finance professionals, business professionals, or uh, entrepreneurs. If that's you, can you please stand up? Or any sort of professional, healthcare professional. Doesn't really, you know, as long, a young professional. It's like, like everybody stand up. No. No, the specific word that I have for you is that God is into what you are doing. And it's very important that you realize this because what you do in your work really matters to God. And you're not doing it just in your own strength. He's actually wanting to empower you to make something great of your work. Not just because, you know, you do a great job, that's fantastic, or that you get a great salary raise, or, you know, you get the next job promotion. That's not what I'm talking about. But actually, we as people are designed to find enjoyment in what it is that we do. And God wants to show us that actually He's into that. He's into us enjoying what we do. Not feeling burdened upon the stress of all the deadlines, you know, and the budget meetings, and all those sorts of things which are happening in August and September, or the audits, or whatever. So if you can raise your hands to God, I would like to pray for you because I feel that God is really wanting to give you an anointing for the next step in your career. So God, I thank you for all these business professionals. I thank you for all these business owners. I thank you, God, for all these people who are actually standing here, coming to church with the pressure of their job, working 40 to 70 hours per week. And really, God, we're here. And I want to ask if you, Holy Spirit, anoint these people anoint these professionals. God, show them the way on how to bring creative solutions that nobody could have think, thought about. Show them a way on how to create new budgets, to just find new finances. Show them a way, God, on, on how to lead other colleagues or even, you know, um, competitors. Lead them into friendship. Lead them into this house. Because, God, this is a house for all nations. This is a house for all people. This is a house for everybody and especially for those who are in need of you, which is basically everybody. Thank you, God. I pray you bless these entrepreneurs and these business professionals. Anoint them, Lord God. Give them wisdom into the next step of their career. And, and I pray that your burden is light, Lord. I pray that you show it to them. Where is that sense of feeling that my job is not too pressureful, but it's actually a grace, a walk of grace with Jesus Christ in the business grounds. Amen. Amen. That's great. Fantastic, guys. Well, give yourself a round of applause for that because I love business professionals. It's my background. 
I had also 70-hour work weeks. I know how the pressure is. You know, it's, 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 it's sometimes it's literally killing you. So if you have that, take time to relax also because it's important. All right, the second word I have is for all the Brazilians. So if you're Brazilians, can you raise your hand, just wave at me? Yes, fantastic. And what I would just wanted to say is that we love Brazilians, you know. God loves Brazilians. Yeah, I feel that. That's not the only thing. Actually, what God wants to say. The second thing that I feel like that I want to tell you is that you guys are special. Don't think that because you're Brazilian that you're different than Dutch people. It doesn't really count, you know, that you're Brazilian. You know, you've been brought into the Netherlands because of the single fact that you bring wisdom that we guys don't have. So we needed to have you here. And I think it's important to state because sometimes you can come here and you're like, I don't feel understood. People, they're not listening to me. Sometimes they can be a little bit denigrating or that you can feel like really, you know, bashed around because, you know, you're not doing it in a Dutch way. You didn't do that and bam, bam, bam. And I'm not entirely sure if that's like your culture. I hope not. But if it is like that, in the, in, in, the, in the workplace, I've been in these situations where I saw these things happening. Know that God is on your side. Know that you're not doing this on your own. Although this sounded like a very good economic opportunity for you, which it probably is, because otherwise you probably wouldn't be here, also realize that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. And I love, you know, um, I, I love how Fabrizio and Fernando, they're just, you know, you know, making you guys enthusiastic. You know, take that sense of feeling and bring on more people in, you know. I'd like to see this whole place and maybe that part and that part just full with Brazilians. And actually, you know, Louis and Anton, they want to have all sorts of people. We have 188 nationalities in Amsterdam. That's probably in the, the most of all the headquarter cities of the whole world. You, know, you understand? 188 nationalities. That's amazing. But for the Brazilians, you know, God sees you. Feel encouraged that God is with you. He's on your side. Yeah? All right. Let's give God a great round of applause for that. Amazing. Great. So, don't go to church. What about that? Have you ever heard somebody say, don't go to church? I hope not. Well, I've heard it, but it's more like, you know, people who are unbelievers. But I'm saying as a believer, don't go to church. Okay, what... What's, you know, what do you mean? Okay, so when I was 12, 13, it was my first year into uh, high school. In high school, the Dutch education system is a little bit different, so you have like elementary school and primary school like until you're 12, and then you go into... Uh, so I went into high school, and I was in a religious class, and there was this question by the teacher. And she, he asked Mr. Dornabal, okay, so who here in this class is still going to church? Or not still, who's going to church? So I raised my hand. I was like, yeah, I go to church. No problems, you know, cool. And then I was like looking back. And then in the far right corner, there was this, this, this like this hand, you know, it was shaking. It was like, you know, what, what, was, it, was it really a hand or was it, he said two, he counted it as a two. So I said two hands. And I was like, man, that, that, that's, not, that's not real, you know, just, just, just you know, or put it up. Or no. no, I didn't think that. What I did think was, man, this is strange. There were 33 kids in class. I was 12 years old. Why did I go to church? Or why? I, I, I didn't ask myself in its first sense, why do I go to church? Why do these, do these guys don't go to church? I went to a Reformed Protestant church. Uh, it was about, I think, maybe 100, maybe two, 250 people, attendance 80 uh, to 100. And I went there and there were no youth. I was sitting there 
the Sunday after, and I was thinking to myself, why do I go? And, I, and the answer was this, because my mom asked me to do it. So I did. And my brother, you know, he was like four years younger, so he had no choice. He, had, he just went. But I had a choice. I, 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 I could go or I could not go. So I decided for myself not to go to church. I thought, yeah, this church is not bringing me anything. I, I yeah, you know, it, it, it didn't touch me. I, I didn't have any connection with people. It was really tough, actually. And that's why I'm so excited about youth. That's why, you know, this guy... Sipke, he gets tears in his eyes because what he wants is for youth to have a personal connection with Jesus Christ himself. And that's, that's what youth is doing. You know, every Friday, I bring Jose to, to, to youth because I know my son is going to get some, something out of this for the rest of his life, and he does. You know, he, 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 he gets into the mindset, into the culture of, hey, man, this is different. Even our own family, you know, his nephews, they treat him different than, you know, the kids here in, in church, which is amazing. You know, the kids in church, they have something godly on their lives that really speak into him that he can see the difference between, hey, these are my friends in school, hey, these are my nephews, but hey, these are the guys in church. And that's something different. That's something that I want, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. But that wasn't necessarily one I want to preach about, although I'm really excited about that. So we went on holiday, and um, we went to several places. You know, we went to, uh, we went to Prague, and in Prague we went to church, but it was a, a bit of an odd experience because, you know, at first you come in and it was a Catholic church, which is, you know, which is great. I mean, we just wanted to see what was happening, but there was a mass happening. And um, yeah, so we were, you know, we didn't know the language, and we just sat in the last row, and we were reviewing it all, and then in 10 minutes, it dawned on us. It was a funeral service. Oh. So we were like, man, that's not good. You know, how do we get out of here? But so what happened was that um, uh, the people came in, and, and you know, they, they, they make their uh, uh, signs, and then, and, and then they left. So we felt like, oh, okay, so if, if, if people do that, then... Probably may, it might be a combination of, an, of a regular mass with, um, with um, uh, a funeral mass. So we felt like few, we, we also went away. And, and, you know, the inside of the church was beautiful. That, that was the reason why we wanted to go in, to visit the church, to go to church and just check out you know, the scenery. We also did the same in, 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 in uh, Venice. We went to, to Venice. It's a beautiful place. Don't believe the Dutch, you know, media about, you know, being crowded and stuff like that. It wasn't at all, at least... From Tuesday until Thursday, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so we went there. I've never been to Venice before. Anybody here been here to Venice? Yeah, see a couple of hands. I thought it was flipping amazing. Don't go longer than two days, though, because then you get to see that everything is actually crumbling down a little bit. So I was talking to the architect. Uh, we were working with an architect to redesign this building. And the architect says, yeah, did you notice that actually when you walk there, every, it feels like everything's falling down almost? Did you, was there a similar experience here? Yeah, you did, yeah. I didn't see it until I went back on the boat to our car. Then I was like, oh, yeah, it's actually really beautiful, but you can see all the cracks in the walls, and it's not necessarily that nice. But we went to church on San Marco Square, which was amazing. And we went there because you know, we, I just wanted to see the whole church, and it was like six si times the size of what we have here. And it had all these golden um, yeah, paintings on, on, on the ceiling. It was almost as, as beautiful as the Vatican City with the 16th Chapel, where we were two years ago. It was amazing. We went to church. 
But I'm telling you, don't go to church like that. Don't go to church in a sense where you're just, we're just visiting. And why? why? Why am I saying that? Is that when Jesus talked about building his church, he talked about something totally different. It doesn't really translate like that, but it is truth. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 8 to 20, and says, he says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When Jesus is talking about church here, you would immediately think about a building. If you look in Google, you type in church, what do you find? You find the five oldest church buildings here in Amsterdam. And I must say, C3 Church is also on the first page. Huh, that's pretty good. Well done, Philip and Judith. They're looking out for a SEO thing. They're doing a great job, obviously, because otherwise we wouldn't be on the first page. But the thing is this, is that when you go to church, it's actually the word church is called ecclesia in Greek, and it's translated as church, and actually it's in, in, in 90% of all the Bibles it says church, but actually it should say congregation or assembly. It's a totally different thing. And, and during, you know, the, the years, uh, uh, because of the inter institutionalizing of the church, the church, they made the German word Kirche into church, and they translated it that in all, to, in, in all translations. So the immediate association that we have is, is a building, which is making sense. But Jesus wasn't talking about literally building this church in a sense of a building, but he was talking about an assembly. And, you know, in that time, the Jews, they were thinking in a sense where they were expecting an anointed Savior to take the oppression away. And then, you know, boom, there would be a new kingdom. That was the expectation of, of, of the Jews. So what happened was that when, 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 when Jesus was talking about his church and building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, they were getting excited because they were like, here is a savior, here is the person who is going to lead us in triumph, here is the person who is going to lead us out of the Roman oppression. Depression and, 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 and. But Jesus was talking something differently because he wanted to do it in a different way. And the word ecclesia is actually used in the Roman citizenship as, you know, the Romans, they were occupying all the lands. So what they did is when all the ter uh, uh, um, territories were taken in, they would send groups of people, ecclesia, assemblies of people to these places to start up a new economy to really, you know, in, in culture or embed the culture of the Roman citizenship. So that was actually quite a good development because the Romans, they were, you know, they could read, they could count, they were, you know, bringing good economics in. So it was actually an improvement for the places where many of the places were not that developed yet. So that was the other thought that P the Apostle Peter had. Hey, was, you know, Ecclesia, oh yes, Jesus is wanting to rapidly, you know, take in to the, 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 the nation and really, you know, bring culture of the kingdom. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be in the first row. That was what he was thinking. Or at least maybe not on the first row. I'm going to sit at your right hand, Jesus, when, you know, when you take the throne. That was probably in his mind. And yes, Jesus wanted to overthrow the culture of that time. And yes, he's using an assembly of people to really create that culture. He's doing it. He's doing it through you and me. The funny thing is, though, is that at Pentecost, when Jesus went away at, in, at Ascension Day, he had then 11 guys 
you could call them the 11 directors of Jesus. He, you know, he said to Peter, okay, you're going to be the CEO. The CFO was gone. So, you know, and then they would start this enterprise, the church. But the only thing that he said was, I'm going away and you need to wait in Jerusalem. He did give them a statement, a mission statement. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So you have these 11 directors. They were like, okay, you know, we're going to wait. We're going to wait for what? Yeah, for empowerment from heaven. What does it look like? The anointing. Yes, we're going to start the kingdom. So they were excited. They were praying. And then after 10 days, boom, the Holy Spirit came. But okay, the Apostle Peter, he spent, you know, his first message. And then boom, 5,000 people, 20,000 people, they just gave their life to Christ. It doesn't really, you know, Jesus didn't mention anything about, you know, how the structure is or anything. Or, or, you know, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur, you have to think a little bit about how am I going to structure my business. Well, good luck, apostles, you know. You've all been promoted to directors, just make it happen. It's pretty interesting, right? I mean, how does that work? Well, it did work. The apostle Paul, he, he found out that, or he later mentions in his letter to the Ephesians, uh, the following and it says in uh, chapter 4, verse 11 to 15, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful, in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ. It's a pretty long piece of scripture. But the Apostle Paul, he found out that actually God has given specific roles and responsibilities to people in church. And he calls, and we call it the fivefold ministry. You've got the, the apostles, you've got the prophets, the Bible teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists. And in a sense, what he's also saying is that this is something that everybody will carry in his life. Yes, there are people who are actually, you know, in the position of an apostle. Like Pastor Phil, you know, we've got over 500 churches over the whole world. You know, we're aiming for a thousand churches and we're exponentially exhilarating in that, which is amazing. But I'm telling you that actually our pastor, Pastor Steve, he's doing exactly the same thing. His wish is, you know, he's bringing 10 churches into the Netherlands, which is amazing. You know, we, we started out this church, but we also had Cedric then uh, Arnhem. We have started out of this church, Cedric Den Haag, Cedric London, Cedric Almere. We have actually yesterday started with Pastor Raymond Kurima, our first C3 location in West for C3 Cares, which is amazing. You know, I was there, I was coming in at, tw at 12 o'clock, it started at 12 o'clock, and boom, there were already 20 people there. And not just from our team, it was actually people, you know, coming from surrounding area, from Amsterdam West, and just joining him in what he was wanting to do. And actually, he was being an apostle. He was proclaiming the word of Jesus in a, in a way that actually people were sitting there and they were excited because, you know, it was about acceptation. It was about love. It was about, you know, we want to help you, want to love you. Here is food, you know. 
And when you have got Andrew Hobson, he's not here anymore, but when he cooks a barbecue, you know you're in a good spot. The same with Fernando, actually. Maybe Fernando's even better. You know, just like the Brazilian anointing. I don't know. Maybe you should... No, no I'll, I, it's too... I know, maybe I shouldn't invite myself. You already did, I think. But the other thing is, is that the, the body of Christ is to equip us for the work of ministry. And then we read in, 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 in verse 12 of First Corinthians 12 to 12 to 14, just as the body is one and has many members, and, the, and the, all the members of the body, through, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For on one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were made to drink of one spirit, for the body doesn't consist of one member but of many. So, okay, the church started at Pentecost, and then later, the, the Apostle Paul, he recognized that there were specific roles and responsibilities for people. There were specific people like, you know, the apostles, and, but actually, we're one body. And one body means that, you know, my body functions best when everything is working. The Apostle Paul also ex explains that it is within the body. So it's not like that, you know, parts of my body are external. It's not like my heart is really lying here on the ground. If that would be the case, then, yeah, then please call 911. Or if it's too late, know that I'm in heaven. That's okay. Well, not, actually, not okay. I want to be with my wife. She already, she, she already went. This is not a story, but she came back for me, so love you for that. Okay, back to the story. But we are all members of one body. So that makes that you could say, well, you know what, Peter, it seems to me that some people are more important. Well, actually, it's not really. When I came into church 15 years ago, the first thing that I did is I just, you know, I did whatever. I was, back then we were in a, in a location where we didn't have a fixed setup like this. So at 8 o'clock in the morning, or like quarter to 8, I was there, you know, opening up in a, uh, this, this venue. And we were like installing lights and sound and stuff like that. And then there were specific Sundays where when I had done that, I would stand at the door and, you know, be in the greeting team, just greeting people, you know, just put, and just liaising them to the seat. And then there were even Sundays where I did like the full Monty. Man, I'm telling you, that was full on. We didn't have any kids, so we were able to do that. But I did, I did like the, the technical setup, I did the greeting team, and then I also did the kids. Man, that was like 30 kids screaming, you know, oh man. I thank God for the anointing because they would... Ch no, that's not true. That's not true. They were, they were actually really touched. But you know what it is? It's the sacrifice that you bring as part of the body that makes it function. So what I was seeing was kids, you know, they would just come and we would be praying and I started to receive, you know, words for specific kids and there was this one kid, there was a, there was a twin, and we were praying, and I said to her, and I was praying for her, and I said to her, I said, you know, God, in the name of Jesus, take all the bad dreams away. And this was a kid of six, seven years old. When I, when I said amen, she looked at me intently, like, what? She was like amazed. And I said, hey, what's, what's happening? Yeah, what you, what you just prayed, I... I had terrible nightmares. Remind you, this is a kid of seven years old. Seven years old. This was before we had our own kids. 
So when my own kids have bad dreams now, I said, what you need to do is go to, you know, when, when you see a bad ghost or whatever, just tell the ghost, in the name of Jesus, go away. So that actually happens. When my son was three years old, he said, Dad, I'm having bad dreams. I said, Hosea, what have I explained to you to do? So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you really need to do it. Three years old, right? It's like a little munchkin, you know. It's like, look how big he is now. I'm not sure where he's at. But, uh... So what, what, what happened is that at one specific moment, he told me, hey, Dad, I had a dream again. I said, um, did you do it? Yeah. I said, what did happen? And he said to me, yeah, it was like, in his story, it was like a big angry chicken. <laughs> Go figure. We, we like food, chicken, Kentucky Fried Chickens, but I'm not sure how that... No, anyway. So what happened was that he told me that there were flying angels coming into his dream with big swords. And you know what the most shocking part was? They cut off the head of the chicken. <laughs> and I'm telling you that we never let kids, like, show them anything like that. Not on YouTube, never, you know? So I was shocked, but yes, that was exactly... And the same thing happened with Rose. It wasn't a bad angry chicken, it was something else. It doesn't really matter, but... But the thing is that I was sacrificing my time into something that I felt like I'm going to put my life into this as one of the members of the body of Christ and administered to the people. And that's the same thing with you. Sometimes it just takes sacrifice. You know, we need you to rise up, be part of this church. A member of a body is something that receives something from strength and then passes it on to somebody else. That's why we call what we have in our church, we say every person transformed in Christ empowered for purpose. You know, we are being transformed in Christ. We get to know Christ. And what's happened is that we're then being empowered for purpose. For what purpose? Actually, to do the same to other people. And the thing is, and this is really on my heart as a pastor, is that I ache for people who are not doing that. Not because I'm angry or that I'm like frustrated, but I ache because I just realized that what I sacrificed for the church before I was a pastor, so it doesn't, the title doesn't really matter, that's something that brought me so much. So I wish to see that every person in this congregation would do the same, just sacrifice. I wasn't a good kids worker. Some would say I would, but I was just, you know, I was just being funny, which doesn't always help because... You know, then the kids don't take me serious, so therefore I wasn't a very good kids' church worker. But I just did it. And then later on, I got better, and then, you know, the kids really loved me for that. So one of the kids who was in that was actually Geo. You know, I'm not saying that because of my leadership in kids, you know, Geo became the worship pastor of the church. I'm not saying that. Not necessarily, no. It's actually, that was just, you know, Raymond and, and the pastors of this church. They did a great job. But what I was able to do, I, I was able to encourage Gio. He's an amazing guy. And I feel that as a body of Christ, we need to do the same. I've got so many things I want to share with you. I think you know, the English service is awesome. I love it. Just, just quickly, what doesn't help you to make that decision to bring the sacrifice? I mean, it's not easy, especially when you have a foreign background, to come into a multilingual church. I get that. I mean, we have a certain culture, which is, you know, I think it's Dutch-English culture. Um, but especially when you're not from Europe, then, you know, it's like you have to adjust. 
I had to adjust. When I came in 12 years ago, I came in here, and we were from Marsen. We had to stop the church because my parents-in-law were the pastors, and they were not physically able to continue the church. And I had a dream. I wanted to take on the church and, boom, you know, just really believe God for a miracle and see Utrecht saved. But it didn't happen. So I came in here, totally different cultural background. C3 is an amazing culture. You know, I felt at home straight away. But to get into the connectivity with the other people, that was hard. I, we really had to work it. And I think that after five years, we were actually able to say, well, you know what, C3... Yeah, it's a jacket that, that fits me now. So we had to do in those five years, we had to travel. We had to, you know, invite people to our house, be at meetings. I didn't dare to invite people because we were living in Mars and we still are. And, and, and theoretically speaking, you know, it's like for people who live in Amsterdam, going to Mars and dude, that's like going to a foreign country, man, so far away. So I was really hesitant to do that. If you live in Zaanstad or Amsterdam, that's all good, you know, Amstelveen. But it was just, you know, going across the barrier. So we felt isolated a lot. But we kept going to church. We kept, you know, pouring out our lives. And why? Because we felt like that this was something that God wanted us to do. And I want to invite you to do the same. You know, I, 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 yes, I, I am a pastor. And yes, you know, I would make sacrifices that because I'm called, I do that. I, I get that. But I also made sacrifice purely because of the fact that I believed that this was the best thing that as a body of Christ, as a member of it, I could do that best. And I believe that when you do that, our reach becomes bigger. I will reach people that, or I cannot reach the people that you reach. Think about your neighbors. I might never see your neighbors. Invite them to church, you know, invite them to your home. Have them over for a meal. Do that and believe that God will make a change in their lives. I really believe that that will make a big difference. So not being able to connect with people doesn't necessarily have to be a showstopper when it is about you being part of the body of Christ. The age, well, you're all young here in this service, you know. I envy the English service because the average age here is like 25, you know. Youth, I feel 25 as well. I'm not, but uh, you don't see that, so I believe whatever I want to believe, so... Having a young family, you know, young families, we, when, we, when we started out a young family, we were the first generation in our church who were actually starting out a young family. So besides the fact that we were living in Mars, we also were the first parents, and I believe that Jose is the first born C3 who is still here, I, I think. He's 12 years old now, he's becoming 13 in, in October. But that was tough, you know, all these guys that were just hanging out, you know, casual. But we couldn't because of the fact that we had hospital visit, when he was sick, you know, you just have to rearrange your life. I felt isolated. But, you know, keep going. You know, keep stretching out. You know, your feeling is really deceiving you sometimes. The last thing that I want to say, and I've gone a little bit over time, I hope you'll forgive me for that, is that if there would be a core reason why I believe, or not, not I believe, but for me, I've been able to do what I've been doing in the sacrificial sense and being part of the body of Christ as I did. It's because of this single fact. is that Jesus said in the scripture that we read in Matthew chapter 16 that I will build my church. And the most wonderful thing about churches is, yes, it's about the assembly. So what happens is that in your Christian walk, you will find that there will be seasons which are so tough 
you know, they, they, you feel like, you know, the, where, the, where it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You feel like hell is knocking on your door. When Monique was sick in the hospital and when she had a heart, a heart thing in 2017, man, in the inside, I was shattered. I was sitting here in the first row. I was crying my eyeballs out because I just, I just couldn't cope with it. But I kept going. I kept on going. And you know why? Because when my personal faith in Christ is, is really under stress, I know that I've got something else to hold on to. And that's the body of Christ itself. These are the people that I do life with. These are the guys that I, that I just can share my heart whenever I want. So don't do Christian life alone. Because the body of Christ, you know, when you're being part of the body, you're in the body. I cannot say, well, you know what? I'm just going to live my life and every problem that I have. And think, when things get tough, I just do it by myself. No. I keep remaining in the body. I find people that I can talk with. And the best guys that you can talk with are guys in your group. In the last six months, I've had several visits to friends who were going through a very difficult circumstance. Very difficult. But you know what? These guys, they're still coming to church. And I'm not saying it's because of the I did. No. Not per se. But it's because of the fact that there was somebody that they could talk to and just encourage them. And I believe that that's you. You can mean that for somebody. And if you're traveling a lot, you know, I know that there are a lot of entrepreneurs here. Just send text messages. Find ways how to call your group. Just reach out to them because they need you. And you know what you'll find is excited because Jesus said, I will build my church. So you're not doing it on your own behalf. We are doing it on behalf of Jesus. So he will give us the strength. He will give us the wisdom. And that's, I, I, I love that. I want to wrap it up. I want to wrap up this, this message. Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked Him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been, you've been moving away from him and today I want to invite you to come back to him or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven and so I want to lead you in a prayer right now and I would really love for you to say this prayer with me and then straight after this prayer I would love you to do something for me but hey let's pray right now dear God I thank you for Jesus I thank you that he died for me I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus and we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.